Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was my trick all along. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, fine. So we, we, we begun. First of all, good news. We mentioned last week uh, Rufu Shlema for uh, Rifka Bas Malka, Rifki Bortz, Rifka Bas Malka. Bar um, Hashem, she's home now, but we're going to continue to uh, Davin for Saitilam for Rifka Bas Malka. Also, uh, I'm saying it's, it is Rifka Bas Malka, right? Yeah, okay, fine. Um, also, we want to mention the yard site, 32nd yard site of Golda Bas the Mayor Hakoin, whose yard site is Yud Tes Mar Cheshvin. That's Kandi's uh, grandmother. So I want to mention. We'll mention that to what, what's. One second. Well, say again the name. Menucha Bracha Bas. Really? You're just guessing? Just making stuff up? Uh -huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. Any other dedications? <laughs> dedications? Yeah? Yeah? Leila Nishmas. Mano Yisachar Ben Yaakov Alaza. Got it. Okay. Uh, great. This is great. We have. Well, I feel like this is the Mishabedachs in Shul. Huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Always. Okay. So here we are. Class number three. And we are still in the Hakdoma Samalakit and the compilers forward. We spoke about last week that the compiler, the Alter Rebbe, was very forthright about the inherent limitations of a book. When you're turning to a book for personal guidance and instruction and for a path in life, it can be very frustrating because, um, like we said, first of all, when you're reading from a book, remember the limitations he mentioned about a book? First of all, you're reading through your own subjective filter, right? The reader is always going to sort of read into things what they want to find. Um, that's one problem. Um, and even if the book is based on uh, Torah, and when we say Torah, we don't just mean the written Bible. We mean also Torah Shabal Peh, the Chachamim, which is also Torah. So even something that's based on uh, Chazal, on our, on our Chachamim, which ostensibly it shouldn't be subjective, it shouldn't be so subjective, it should have uh, universal relevance, at least to all Jews, because the Jewish people and Torah are all interconnected. And, and that's all true in theory, but in practicality, who says you're going to be able to find, locate, identify, <clears throat> and pull out the messages that are for you, because we know the nature of Torah is that there is not one black and white approach to anything. Remember the Alter Rebbe said, even in halacha, which is about as straightforward as you, as you can get, is it asr or is it mutter? Can I do it or can't I do it? And always what's the answer? Well, it depends, right? It depends. All right, and that's, we joke about it, but it's true because Torah 
is 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 emes, and emes is the entire truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So within the truth, there's a diversity. And he and he mentions how you have like the 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 chesed souls, and you have the gvura souls. So you have those who are more lenient and more, those who are more stringent, and you know, be shamayin, be hillel, and uh, in the end. You know, you have to know how to apply it for you. Or Rav, I guess, in Halacha is the one who knows how to apply it for you. So that's in Halacha. Even in Halacha, which should be fairly straightforward, it's not always so clear what the specific guidance is. How much more so when we're talking about things that are inherently uh, subjective, like emotions. He says, Ava ve'yira, love and awe of Hashem. Emotions are very, I don't want to call it wishy-washy at all, God forbid, but um, it's not as easy to pin down as a behavior. Halacha governs behavior. Here we're talking about emotions, which are very uh, fluid, yeah, and uh, ephemeral and, and 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 intangible. And so it's very difficult to nail it down and say, just tell me one clear-cut instruction. So, and that's even when you're basing the instructions on, on Torah. So those are the those are the limitations. All right. So I think the, where we ended the cliffhanger last week, we basically talked you out of learning this book. We yeah. said it's never going to work for you. Why'd you come back? I don't know. You don't know? Okay. Just to find out why. <laughs> Just. <laughs> uh -huh. So why in the world are we going to read this book? And um, here's here's what I'm going to tell you. And I I. Uh, battle a lot internally with what to say and what not to say. Uh, the whole, the, I don't know if it's an art or it's a craft of, of teaching, is about internal editing. That's that's what I believe, based on experience, also based on chassidus. And chassidus, whenever it uses teaching as a metaphor, it always talks about uh, tzimtzum, right? About self-restraint, about what you say, what you don't say. So it's all about internal editing. And I always grapple with what I should say and what I shouldn't say and what's considered saying too much, both from a standpoint of cognitive overload, which I try to be very careful about, not to like say too much information so that you get nothing, but also from a perspective of um, I don't want to rob you of a process. Sometimes you need to go through a process to come to a conclusion. And if somebody who's very passionate about a subject and maybe even has a very strong stance about a subject comes in and they, they say their opinion very, very clearly, so uh, it sort of robs you of the nuances that are to be discovered when you when you slowly come to that recognition on your own, as opposed to just having somebody say it in a very uh, forthright manner. You guys know, you following at all what I'm saying right now? Yes. Yeah? Okay. So in the end, I think I'm deciding I'm going to say it like really forthright and then maybe try to explain it a little bit. And, and, and yeah, you know, I, I also have... This is not one of my written rules. It's my unwritten rules. I don't have any written rules, actually, but it, my proverbial unwritten rules. <laughs> well, I don't know why to call it unwritten rules when I don't have any written rules, but these are my proverbial unwritten rules. My, one of my proverbial unwritten rules of teaching is that you should always have 
something in every class that you're not sure you should have said. Because if you're not, right, that's life, right? Because if if you're playing it too safe, right? If you're playing it too safe, there's no risk involved. Then you know, there's what do they say? No pain, no gain. No risk, no reward. Okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you. On one hand, Tanya is a universal Jewish book. Um, it doesn't belong to any group or or movement. Um, I wouldn't even say that it is the exclusive birthright of the Chassidim. And when I say Chassidim, I mean in the most general, uh, inclusive uh, way of including every single strain of, 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 of Chassidus. Tanya is a general book, uh, like Meira like, Nevochim uh, like, uh, from the Rambam. It's just a thing that... Jewish people learn in order to be educated and to understand the, their role as Jews. Um, and, and, and that's true. At the same time, I don't want to pretend that Tanya is learned the same all over. It's not. And I think one of the big differences in learning Tanya Okay, so if, if full disclosure, everyone understands I'm a Lubavitcher, okay? okay. So learning time with a Lubavitcher, I think one of the biggest, and some people say, Dafka, don't do it. They'll say, Dafka, learn Tanya, but not with not with Chabad. So, no, people will say, say Dafka, don't learn with Chabad. Okay. And I, I hear that, by the way, because you don't want somebody who's so, uh, you know, uh, chauvinistic about it, you know, a little more objectivity, right? I get that. I totally get that. Um, but here's what I'll tell you. There's a huge, there's one huge point. And I didn't have to tell you any of this. I could have just said it, I could have just put it out there as if everybody learns it this way. I decided I'm going to tell you what's going on and be transparent about it. The answer to the question that we're grappling with right now uh, in terms of the, the Alter Rebbe's own question about the relevancy of this book, the answer to that question can be understood in two vastly different ways. I'll tell you the two different ways. One way, before we read inside, we'll go inside, we'll look at what the Alter Rebbe says. And, and you can see both of them in the text. But I'm going to tell you my Masaira, the tradition that's been handed down to me. One way of looking at the text is the Alter Rebbe says, well, you're right, books are inherent, inherently limited, but I'm writing this book for people that I know in real life. And since we've sat down together and talked in the past, so this will sort of just be like review from our previous conversations. So it's not like getting to know somebody through a book. You already know me, and now the book is sort of like crib notes to refresh your memory. Okay. And you can definitely read that in the text, and I know people who teach it that way. They teach it that way. Now, of course, <clears throat> what is the implication for us that comes from that? Is that the Alter Rebbe's answer to his question about the limitations of a book really isn't answered for us. It's answered <laughs> for some people who lived 200 years ago 
in white Russia. Following? So I'll tell you how we understand it, we. Lubavitchers, okay. And when I say Lubavitch, I don't even mean all of Chabad. I, I'm sure there's not time to get into a Chabad history lesson, but Lubavitch is one, <laughs> one strain within Chabad, so it's not even all of Chabad. But uh, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe, meaning the Alter Rebbe's grandson was the Tzemech Tzedek, and the Tzemech Tzedek's grandson was the Rebbe Rashab, whose birthday, by the way, is tonight. The Rebbe Rashab spoke in a sicha, in, a, in an address, about the fact that the Alter Rebbe had sich reingestellt, reingeschrieben in Tanya. The sicha was in Yiddish, so I'm telling you the language that he used, <coughs> the expression that he used. That the Alter Rebbe wrote himself into Tanya. In other words, Tanya is not a book that the Alter Rebbe wrote. Tanya is the Alter Rebbe in book form. And therefore, anyone who learns Tanya, who opens up that book, is speaking, is conversing with the Alter Rebbe. So that's a very different way of understanding it. What we're saying is, that when the Alter Rebbe will say, I wrote this book for those who know me, he's not just speaking about people who lived in white Russia 200 years ago. He's speaking to anyone who's reading these words right now, those who know me. To fully grasp this, you have to appreciate the idea of a Rebbe. And by a Rebbe, I don't mean... Uh, a communal leader or a teacher or even a miracle worker, uh, none of that is relevant here. When I'm talking about a Rebbe, what I mean, at least pertinent to our, our present context, is a, a term that we refer to as neshama klolis, an aggregate soul or a hub soul, a soul that is intrinsically connected with all souls. Now, the truth is all Jewish souls are connected to all other Jewish souls. So it's really not that much of a Kiddush. Once you understand the idea of Achdas Yisro, so the role of a Rebbe doesn't really, it's not that much more radical. The only idea that's a little bit different is that the Rebbe is the acronym Rosh B'nei Yisro. So if all Jewish people are one organism, one body with various different organs and limbs, so a Rebbe is like the head of that organism. But really, all Jews are united. We're all one, one person. The Jews are not a people, they're a person. So if there's a member of the Jewish people who is an aggregate soul or a, 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 a neshama klolis, then they know you already and you're connected to them already. And in fact, that is the entire premise upon which the Yechidus is predicated. In other words, this book is a substitute for one-on-one -on -one guidance with the Alter Rebbe, meaning you wanted to go have a Yechidus. A Yechidus means a one-on-one -on -one audience. But what's that? Why do you want a one-on-one -on -one audience with the, with the Rebbe? Because you heard he's a great consultant? Because, that, because he's an expert? No, that's not why a Chassid would go to Yechidus with the Alter Rebbe. It's not because he's an expert or or because he knows a lot, or even because he has Ruch and he could read minds, or whatever else you think that a Rebbe can do. That's not why you would go. 
you would go because you feel that my soul root is bound up in this tzaddik and they know me in ways better than actually I consciously know myself. So that's not based on an intellectual relationship that he's the teacher, he knows stuff he's going to tell me. That's based on an underlying metaphysical bond. So the same reason you would go to the Alter Rebbe. If you were in white Russia 200 years ago and you go to the Alter Rebbe and say, guide me, Rebbe, tell me my direction in life. Tell me how to serve Hashem better. The reason you would go, ostensibly the reason you would go, is not because you think he's so smart, but because you think he knows your soul, because you're, you're already linked, you're already connected. Well, that's the same reason you'd open up his book, because you think that this is someone who knows me. You think this is someone who knows you already. So, <clears throat> like I said, there are two very different ways of approaching this. This is, this is the definition of the scope of effectiveness of this book is being defined right here and now in the compiler's forward. Depending how, on how you answer this question, you're going to determine, at least from your perspective, the, the ultimate relevance of this book. One way of looking at it is it was relevant at its time, but the, the, the author acknowledges its limitations, and, uh, but, but it has historical relevance or whatever, however you want to say that it has some type of importance to us today. That's one approach. And there are those who take that approach, and they can support it with the text. And I, and I understand if they don't have the same Masada that I have, I completely understand why they would say that. And that's fine. I'm not here to argue with anyone. But another approach, and the approach that I was taught to take, is that the Tanya is Yechidus. The Tanya is Yechidus. That you're going into Yechidus. Yechidus is one-on-one -on -one personal audience. You are meeting the Alter Rebbe, who already knows you, and knows you deeply, and knows you on an essence level, and that's what the book is. And why is it possible? How is it possible? Because of who the author is. Because, of the, because, because this is a book written by a tzaddik, a rebbe, a neshama klolis. And so the book operates differently than, 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 than normal books, even normal Torah books. Just a question. Yeah. Would you say that works for something like Likutei Maharan that Reb Nachman wrote or something to that effect? Is this exclusive? No, it's not exclusive to the Alter Rebbe. No. I'm not saying that the Alter Rebbe was the only one who ever accomplished it. And uh, we, we see that there are people who are makusher, literally. I mean, the makusher is a, is a Lashon HaKadosh word. It's hard to translate it into English. Connected, it doesn't do it justice. But there are people who are connected to a, to a Rebbe through a Sefer. And it's not just, you know, oh, like Shakespeare, Lahavdil. It's a real connection. It's a real relationship. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you also that that, that soul to soul relationship, that's parenting. You're referring to the parenting thing? Always go back to that. You got to put in the plug for when are we doing the next thing this next summer. You're ready. You're ready. You got it booked. All right. Because we know your birthday. It's always on your birthday or thereabouts. Okay. Um, the, the, the Alter Rebbe used to say that. So the Baal Shem Tov had a, had a grandson named Reb Baruch, Reb Baruch Mezhebuzher, who was a Rebbe in his own right. And the Baal Shem Tov, I mean, the, the Alter Rebbe used to refer to the Baal Shem Tov as Zaydi, because the Alter Rebbe's spiritual father 
was the Magid, who was the, we spoke about in this first class. And the Magid's Rebbe was the Baal Shemtev. So the, the, the Alter Rebbe's Rebbe's Rebbe was the Baal Shemtev, so he used to call him Zayd. And he, it was known that he, he would tell Rebbe Baruch Mezhubash, was the biological grandchild of the Baal Shemtev. And not only the biological grandchild, but the maternal grandchild, which Alpikabola is an even closer connection. We could talk about that another time, but maternal grandchild is the closest you can get to a person biologically is to be their daughter's son. We could talk about that later. But, um, yeah, I mean, it has to do with the gestation. The basically, you can't be born from the womb of a man because they don't have one, but if the Baal Shem Tov has a daughter, and then the <laughs> child is born from that daughter, so it's as close as you can get to being born from the womb of the Baal Shem Tov, basically. You think about that, okay? So the Rebbe Baruch had that had that advantage, and yet the Alter Rebbe used to tell the Rebbe Baruch, he said, "You are the biological grandchild, but I am the spiritual grandchild." And he meant this with pride that it was an advantage that he was the spiritual grandchild. So the Rebbe asks a question. According to Chassidus, it doesn't make sense why it would be seen as advantageous in any way to be the spiritual grandchild over the biological grandchild. Chassidus explains to us that the relationship between father and son is far deeper, incomparably deeper than the relationship between teacher-student. So I'll explain to you how it brings it out. Teacher-student is what's called ha'aras seichel. It's an emanation. Like I was talking about before, the, the, the art or the craft of teaching is all about concealment. It's about what you say, what you don't say, what you, you know, the internal editing. So first of all, the teacher only says part of what they know. Second of all, even when they say part of what they know, the student only hears part of what was said. By definition, there's always the, the, the you know, telephone, broken telephone game, right? There's always a breakdown in, uh, in communication, okay? So a student really only gets whatever messaging the teacher was putting out there. And even from that, that wasn't everything that the, the, the teacher really knows. It's not everything. It's not even everything that the teacher actually said. Um, whereas a child and a father, we're not talking about the emotional bond here, but what we're talking about is that a child gets the DNA from the father. We're talking about a biological child. So they automatically get the father's essence. And the classic illustration of this is there's something... The Gemara talks about it, a genius who's the son of a mentally deficient man. And yet this genius inherited his genius from his father that, who was mentally deficient. So the question is, how is that possible? What do you mean, how is it possible? Because even though the father was mentally deficient, that was only in let's say he had a head injury, whatever. But he wouldn't genetically pass that down to his child. His child would rather inherit the father's fullest potential, even potential that the father never realized. I mean, you could have a, you could have like a musical talent that would be carried in a family for generations. And one day, someone starts playing the piano. Like, whoa, where'd you get this musical talent? I got it from my great, great, great grandfather. But from there, from the great, great grandfather to now, nobody touched the piano, so it was undiscovered. The point is, the reason why the essence, the essence of the father, gets transmitted to the child is precisely because it's a biological relationship. It's physical. The idea of physicality, and this is not the place for a whole long, a long exposition about this, but physicality is the medium for transferring essence. 
That's why souls had to come down to bodies in order to do, to do mitzvahs, because up in heaven, we have a subjective experience of God. We, we experience revelation of godliness. It's only in embodiment where we do mitzvahs and we can have intimacy with God through doing objective acts called 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 mitzvahs. So physicality is the, is, is the only medium in all of the worlds for the transmission of essence. Spirituality can only transmit a, 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 a glimmer, a glimmer of something, okay? So the teacher-student relationship is a glimmer. The father-child is essence. So the Rebbe asks, how was the Alter Rebbe bragging and saying, I am the spiritual grandchild, when we all know, according to Chassidus, that that's not as intense of a bond as the biological father-child bond, especially a maternal grandson like Reb Baruch was. Okay? <laughs> Following so far? Okay. So the Rebbe answers like this, that... When, when is this true? Everything we've said is when you're talking about a regular teacher-student. This is true with a regular teacher-student. But a rabbi and a chassid is not a regular teacher-student. The Medrash says, Medrash Rus Rabbah, Tzadikim Daimim Labayram, that Tzadikim resemble their creator. And what does it mean that Tzadikim resemble their creator? Well, one of the manners in which the Tzadikim resemble their creator is that Hashem gave us himself through Torah. Hashem did not give us a book that he wrote. He gave us himself through a book. That's why Anoichi, when Hashem introduces himself in the Seder Sedibris, in the Ten Commandments, and he refers to himself as I, in the personal pronoun, first person pronoun, Anoichi, Anoichi is the Rosh Hatevis, like the Inyankiv says, I wrote myself and gave myself through the medium of Torah. So Torah like we say, the Zayar says, Torah and Hashem are entirely one. So Torah is not a book that God wrote. Torah is God in book form. So what does it mean then? Follow the next step. We said, Tzadikim Damon Lebedom, that Tzadikim resemble their creator. One of the things it means is that just like Hashem was able <clears throat> to put his essence into the medium of Torah, so too, tzaddikim, uniquely, not like a regular teacher, can put their essence into their Torah. So it's not a regular teacher-student relationship where you're learning stuff that the tzaddik said. You're actually becoming connected to the tzaddik, and in a way that's a deeper connection, not only than a regular teacher-student relationship, but even deeper than a familial relationship, a biological relationship, deep stuff. So that's the understanding of why anyone would have sought out the Alter Rebbe in his time. If somebody would have gone to the Alter Rebbe and asked for direction in his time, again, it wasn't just because they thought he was smart or even that he had Ruach HaKadosh and he, he could uh, read minds or whatever else they thought about the Alter Rebbe. When a chassid went to the Alter Rebbe, <clears throat> it was because the, the chassid understood that this person and I are, all, are already connected. He understands me uh, in ways beyond what I'm able to consciously understand about myself. And therefore, I'm seeking his guidance. So what I'm telling you is that when we approach Tanya, we approach it in that way. We say that this is not just uh, a very 
very wise rabbi wrote a lot of really good advice, and we're going to try to see how much we could apply it. That's not how we look at it. We look at it as the Alter Rebbe took his holy Yechidist Tzimmer from Liyajna, and he put it into the pages of this book, and when we open the book, we can enter that Yechidist room. That's how we look at it. And the Yechidist is happening now, and the relationship is happening now. That's how, that's how we look at it. Okay, let's look in the text. And you are free to, to see it both ways. And indeed, I encourage you to see it both ways. And if you want to see it the second way, I want that to be your choice. And if you want to put that on the shelf and say, you know what, let me see if that's an idea that can grow on me, that's probably a sensible thing. In fact, anyone who never heard this idea before ever in their life and, in, and is ready to immediately believe me, I'm, that kind of concerns me. <laughs> so if you heard this idea and you're comfortable with it, fine. If you never heard it, please reserve judgment. But like, be open, but don't be too, don't be too open. Like, let it grow on you. Let it, in other words, I have nothing to sell here. If the Altareb is capable of reaching you through the pages of this book, he'll reach you. No, you can't make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, you said it better than me, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can't make it happen. I mean, our willingness is what is our contribution. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's see what happens. Okay. So we know the inherent limitations of a book. We all talked about that. Ah, however, I'm talking to those who know me and recognize me. By the way, this term, Yedai Umakirai, comes from the Gemara. It says, everyone sees where we are? Everyone has different copies of Tanya, so maybe... You can find the ach starts ach beyedai makira. Okay. This expression yedai makirai is actually from the Gemara. It says, you know who Rachav was? Yeah, who was Rachav? She ended up marrying Yeshua. Yeah. She helped the spies. Yeah, that's my bar mitzvah haftarah, by the way. It's my bar mitzvah shlach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, the the haftarah says she was an isha zayna. Some say, say that's lashin mezayna. She was a grocer. Others say it means that that she she had a grocery, but she had another occupation as well. Anyways, uh, Rachav. Rachav, and she was apparently this uh, incredibly uh, beautiful woman. And in fact, the Gemara says that anyone who even says her name, they're going to experience a very intense uh, reaction. And then there's a, there's, there's a debate among the sages, and he says, I said her name, nothing happened to me. He says, well, you had to have known her. Like, it's Yoida Umakira. Those who know her and recognize, if you knew her in person, then you would have, you know, that intense reaction. But that's where that, that's where that expression comes from. So those who knew her in person. 
So the Altareb is using that language. Yoidai umakirai, those who know me and recognize me. It's like, uh, yeah, pretty intense, right? So I'm speaking to those who know me and recognize me. I'm talking to all of the Anash, the Chesidim in the in the area. We've spoken together. We've shared affectionate words. They revealed to me already all of the hidden matters of their heart and mind regarding the service of Hashem. To them, my word drips forth and should be like a pen. My tongue should be like a pen. In these pamphlets, which are called Lukuti Amarim. Compiled sayings that were taken, like it says on the title page, from the different books and scholars, sages uh, who are uh, <clears throat> whose souls are in paradise. Okay, so. So there, there, there you go. I mean, he's saying, yeah, there are limitations for books, but this shouldn't be a problem because you guys know me. Like I said, there, you can you can interpret you guys know me the way it is very clear in the text, or you can interpret it according to the Maseda that we have, the Rebbe Shab and then the Fidik Rebbe and the Rebbe, and this was and the Mashbiim from from all of the, the generations. This is this is the path that that we have okay so now the the altarebbe goes back to referring to the fact that these uh that the information here is culled from various sources he mentions it's from books it's also from sages <clears throat> he says some of the ideas here were hinted to in the letters from our sages in the land of Israel. He's talking about Reb Mendel Haradokar, also known as Reb Mendel Vitebsker, who was one of the Talmud Magid. He was a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, but he was a senior colleague, and the Alter Rebbe viewed him, after the passing of the Magid, the Alter Rebbe viewed him as a, as a Rebbe. And he was part of the Hasidic Aliyah. They went to, I think I mentioned this in the first class, first to Tzvas and then to Tveria. So the Alter Rebbe says, "You'll you'll you'll pick up on a lot of the things I'm talking about here, where 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 stated by Reb Mendel Haradaker in his letters, albeit in maybe more uh, more obliquely." Okay, Uktsasim Shemaitim Epiyam Hakadosh Biyasim Peyimano. Some of the things that I'm writing here, I heard personally from these sages when they were here, meaning here in in White Russia with us. Vakulam Heim Truvais. And all of this stuff I'm writing here is answers to the many questions that people ask for advice all the time. Okay? Each one according to their level. In order to get counsel in their service of Hashem. Okay, so he's reiterating again 
the kind of book it is. It's a it's a manual. It's a guide. It's uh, it's advice. In fact, it, it, not so much you don't hear this anymore. But apparently, historically, there was a time when Chassidim referred informally. They referred to Tanya as Lakute Eitzes, the the book of advice or the compilation of advice. Okay, because that's the point of Tanya. Tanya is not just an encyclopedia of Hasidic ideas. Tanya is a practical guidebook. It's advice. Why? People came and they asked the Altarebbe, how do I do this? How do I do that? And he was giving them advice. And he's saying, I'm not, but we're not doing that system anymore. We're changing the system. Now all of the advice is in the book. Okay. So the, then the question becomes, well, why did we change the system? What was wrong with the old system? Okay. Now, Obviously, if you understand everything we're, re we're reading here in the second perspective, which is this is happening now, so you totally understand why the system changed. Because <laughs> if not for the book, we wouldn't even have a chance to have this connection, right? Okay, but as far as contemporaneous, why was there a change in the system? The author says very simple. There's not enough time. It's just a time limitation thing. I cannot give everyone personal answers. Vegam also hashicha matsuya. Forgetfulness is common. Forgetfulness is common. Meaning to say, the Alter was saying, I I I spoke to you about this. Like I barely have enough time to meet with you once, and you're coming in. You're coming twice to ask the same question. We've been over this, right? So how about this? How about I write it down? <laughs> and now you have it. You have it. You can come back to it. Okay? So the system of writing it is sort of like a practical thing that, first of all, a lot of people are asking the same questions. There are certain questions a lot of people are asking. So why answer each person one at a time? You put it all in one book. You can serve many more people that way. Right? But second of all, a lot of people are asking the same questions repeatedly. So not only the, the two people ask the same question, but sometimes one person asks the same question twice or three times or however many times. Okay. Al <sighs> came, therefore, based on these needs. I wrote down all the answers to all the questions. These are all the questions that people ask in how to serve Hashem, again, this is not questions, all the questions that ever could, why is the sky blue? That's not the point. These are the questions people ask in, in terms of how do you serve Hashem. So all the questions that people ask about how to serve Hashem, I wrote it all down in this book. This is preserved now in record. Now everyone can have it as a a reminder between their eyes. It's accessible. We've got it out there now. And you're not going to have to push each other anymore to get into Yechidus. Yechidus is the one-on-one -on -one audience. Why? Because the book is the new Yechidus. The Rebbe did similar things with, um, with dollars. And people complained. People complain about dollars. Imagine that how accessible the Rebbe was that in his late 80s, standing for hours on his feet and standing there as long as anyone wanted to get in line, right? How accessible that I was standing there in his old age, 
just to meet anyone who wanted to meet him, right? And people had the nerve to complain about that. And he said, but I want a yechidus. I want a one-on-one on it. Because earlier, you know, when Lubavitch was much smaller, people used to, okay, you had to schedule it and you had to wait a while, but you get to come into the Rebbe's room and you have your one-on-one. And then they gradually phased that out. And then it became groups. And then they phased that out and it became the Sunday dollars. And people had the nerve to complain about it. And, and, and the Rebbe said, but that is yechidus. The Rebbe also said the Fabrengans are yechidus. And in fact, people would write to the Rebbe and say, I, I need a personal answer. And the Rebbe said, I answered you at the Fabrengen. But they didn't want to know because the Fabrengen, everybody's there. I want my personal. That's your Yechidus. In other words, <laughs> if you trust the Rebbe enough to know how to guide you, trust the Rebbe enough to know how to guide you. And if he's telling you, I can get you what you need through this medium, through this format, then let's go with that. Okay? So the Alter Rebbe is saying, don't you do not have to tackle each other to get in the yechidus anymore? The yechidus is here, it's in the book. It's in the book, okay. Ki bohen, because in, in these kuntresim, in these pamphlets, yimtsa margoyel anafshe, you're going to find tranquility for your soul, it's going to put you at ease. The eights and nechina and good advice, lechol davar Hashem, in any troubling manner matter in Avedis Hashem. Again, it's not going to answer why is the sky blue. Obviously not why is the sky blue. When I say why is the sky blue, I mean I'm sort of making fun of philosophical questions. This is not but rabbi, why, the, you know, the, no, this is not stump the rabbi, this is not any philosophical question, but if it's a practical question that people need in order to serve Hashem, it's here. It's here. Okay? Fine. And again, you could take two approaches to how the Altar Rebbe managed that. You could say, one approach is, well, he had a lot of experience, he advised a lot of people, so he heard all the questions, so he knows what people ask. Or you could say, the Altar Rebbe is connected to the people reading the Sefer, and he knows exactly what you have on your mind. How? Because it's a spiritual thing, and it transcends time and space, and the Altar Rebbe is speaking to you. Okay. Or you could just say, he had a lot of experience, and he knew a lot of people, and he heard a lot of questions. He, you could look at it however you want to look at it. Okay. So basically saying people should be confident in this, because Hashem is, you just trust in Hashem, it's going to be good. The book's going to work. The book is going to work. Now, you're going to come to me and you say, but I still have a problem. I believe you. I believe you that the book works. I'm still not so sure I'm going to be able to use it. So the Altar says, Somebody whose mind is not capable of fully understanding the advice in these books, here's what you do. This book was given along with a, a, a uh, complementary system. It's not just a text. You see this, by the way, till today, the problem of people who approach Tanya just as a text divorced from any other context, that's not the way the book was given. The Alter Rebbe says, the system for the book is you read the book, you try to find your personal answer, but if you don't, you should explain yourself to the people in your town, the experts, the Tanya teachers of your town, the local mashpiyim, the heim and they will help you understand. 
So the Altarb is saying very clearly, the book works, but you have to also get someone locally to help you out as you're unpacking it. You need a mashpia, you need a for sure. Okay, now, yeah? What is the root of the word Tanya, and why is it this Yechid is called Tanya? Like we said before, the book's not called Tanya. It's called it's called Lekut Okay. So okay. Why is my book called Tanya? What? So, don't worry about it for right now, because I have three minutes and I want to finish the. No, it's it's called Lukutei Amar. The Alter is called Lukutei Amar. It's assembled. It's. Is there a root to the word? Yeah, of course there is, but I don't talk about it right now. Of course. Okay. So now the Alter speaks to the local experts, and he lets them know that they are essential to this new system that he set up. So the Alter says, "Va'alehem." Bekashti, and I'm requesting of them, I'm pleading with them, the, the, the local teachers. They shouldn't put their hand on their mouth, like, you know, being quiet, making silencing themselves. To conduct themselves with false humility. Please, it is not the time to be humble. If somebody comes to you and says, I'm trying to learn Tanya. I've taken it seriously. I've adopted this book as a guide in my life, and I can't figure it out. And you think you may have an explanation for them? You're not allowed to withhold it from them. Serious stuff. Listen to what he says. The Kenoida Oynish Hamar Almeneya Bar. It is known the great punishment for somebody who hoards food. This is called food. Somebody who wants to learn Tanya and they can't learn it, it's like somebody who can't get food. It's like they're starving. So if you have the ability to feed them and you don't do it, it's a terrible thing. So on one hand, it's a terrible thing if you're able to help them and you don't help them. And on the other hand, how great is the reward? There's a verse it says, Hashem will enlighten both of their eyes. What does it mean, both of their eyes? The teacher and the student. Because <laughs> Hashem will enlighten the, the face of both of them. Meaning to say that if you want to really, and this is so true. It's true every single time, too. If you want to understand Tanya better, teach it. And every time you teach it, you understand it better because it's endlessly wise and you never understand a fraction of it. So the more that you teach it, the better you understand it. And of course, we yearn for the days, the fulfillment of the prophecy that it says in conjunction with the times of Mashiach that no longer will one person teach another person about God because everyone will know God personally. So obviously the ideal is Mashiach should come and nobody's going to need a teacher. But until that time, it's very important. And the teacher who refuses to do so is doing a terrible thing. Whereas if they, if they agree to do so, they're doing a wonderful thing and side benefit it's going to it's going to enlighten the teacher as well okay and to, just to finish the verse here because the world is going to be full of the knowledge of god when mashiach comes amen ken that's the altarab's prayer that that should uh, come to fruition okay the rest of the hagdama is uh, legal stuff 
regarding the prohibition of copying the book. As I mentioned to you, the, this was a real concern. First of all, it cost a lot of money to print the book. It was very expensive. Printing was, was almost prohibitively expensive. Um, so it was protecting the interests of those who had put forth uh, the, the money to print the book. But also, as I mentioned to you, that there were falsified versions of Tanya. In the end, it didn't help because the Altebe went to prison anyway um, after the Tanya came out. And uh, so that, that was, but that was, a, that was a real concern about people having um, bootleg versions of Tanya. Okay. Anyways, so just let, let, let me wrap up here because we finished the Hagdama Samalakit and Yamir Hashem. We're going to be able to start chapter one. We'll start. Uh, and then when we, when we get to chapter one, the first word of chapter one is Tanya. You'll, we'll tell you why it's called Tanya. What? I said, when, when we get to chapter one next week, God willing, the first word of chapter one is Tanya, and we'll tell you why it's called Tanya. Although I never normally do, and I'll tell you why. Because one of my pet peeves is when Tanya teaches, see, one of the things, Tanya's so rich, you could teach one word a class. Not, not exaggerating. You could go a whole class on each word. And my, one of my pet peeves is, especially, should I say this? Yeah, why not? I'll say it. In Lubavitcher circles where they learn Tanya with kids in school, what happens is they learn a thousand things about one word, and then you say, what is the book about? I don't know, because they never got the big picture. So normally I would never say what Tanya means because I want to move. I want to get to the, the big picture. But since you asked, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you next week. Yeah, it's a cliffhanger for next week. Okay? All right. So next week, Amir Tzashem, Chapter 1. Yeah. Ladies, thank you, Rabbi Powell.